everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. If you're listening in Dallas, Texas, as most of you probably know, we've had some snow this week, haven't we? Yeah, melted snow. Melted snow, what it turned into? Ice. Ice, wow. You just yelled in everybody's ears. You want to go play? No, thank you. Oh, you want to stay on the podcast? Yeah. So this is Faden. How old are you, Faden? Four. And uh, I live with his family, and because of the snow day, for the first time ever, I am recording this podcast from home. And I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. So the question y'all ask me when you see me at church on Sundays is, do you record every single day? Bye. <laughs> okay, Bye. And the answer is no, we definitely don't do that. And in an ideal world, we are two weeks to two months ahead, but that caught up to us this week. So normally we record on Tuesdays and Thursdays for a few hours, but with not one, not two, but three snow days this week, for the first time ever, I am recording an episode in my house. And maybe this will be the only one, or maybe it won't. I'm honestly not sure, but here we are. The audio quality probably isn't great, but we're all in this journey together. And today we're reading Genesis 28. And Genesis 28 leaves us with three primary questions. Why couldn't Jacob marry a Canaanite woman? Was Isaac encouraging incest? And what can we learn from Jacob's dream? This morning, the family that I live with and I went outside in the snow. But at this point, the ground is pretty much just a frozen sheet of ice, and the four-year-old that I live with, he wanted to try to ice skate. But the catch is, he's never in his life been ice skating, and he was wearing hiking boots. As you can imagine, this didn't go over very well. But he did the best he could with what he knew. Now for me, I've put on ice skates before. I've been ice skating plenty of times. I used to live up north. I'm many years older than a four-year-old. I know how to ice skate. How unfair would it be for me to harshly judge this four-year-old's novice attempt at backyard ice skating against my many years of experience? Quite simply, that just wouldn't be fair at all. He hasn't yet been taught how to ice skate, and and the playing field between he and I was far from level. And in a similar way, Just as it would be unfair for me to harshly judge an unexperienced, never-before-been-taught four-year-old in backyard ice skating, we like to judge Israel, or said differently, Bible characters, in areas in which God has not yet instructed them. Let me say that again. We tend to judge Bible characters in areas in which God has not yet instructed them. Today, We're talking all about incest and why we see it scattered throughout the scriptures, if not encouraged. And as we explore this topic, I think we'll find that we tend to draw conclusions based off what we already know, and we have to remember that those who are living in the story we're reading were not able to jump ahead in time like we are today. Starting in verse 1, we read, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite woman. Sum it up for us, Isaac tells his son Jacob not to marry a foreigner. Rather, he is to marry one of the daughters of Laban, his mother's brother. That's verse 2, so his cousin. So question number one is, why couldn't Jacob marry a Canaanite woman? One commentator points out that the inhabitants of Canaan had incorporated dozens of groups and clans into their society by wars, treaties, and marriages. The family of Abraham was to resist such mixing. 
The reason for marrying within the clan was a desire for maintaining the purity of the line and the faith that identified Abraham's descendants as the chosen seed. The surest way to lose that distinctiveness was to intermarry with people from numerous tribal backgrounds and beliefs. Now, it's important for us to make some critical distinctions. This prohibition of marrying a woman from another tribal group was not a matter centered around race or ethnicity. Rather, it was all about morality. All throughout the scriptures, we're going to see God encourage the Israelites to drive out the Canaanites from their land. That's more of a Numbers-Joshua-Judges discussion for later on, but just a heads up, that's coming. And this encouragement to drive them out didn't have anything to do with ethnic purity. Rather, it had everything to do with moral purity. You've probably heard the expression, you become most like the five people you spend the most time with. And the expression is tried and true. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So who were the Canaanites, and why would they have been a bad influence on God's people? Well, they trace back, they trace back all the way to Noah's son, Ham the one who got cursed. Ham was the father of Canaan, as Genesis 9 tells us. And these descendants of Ham, they practiced things like child sacrifice, incest, adultery, temple prostitution, and many, many other terribly corrupt behaviors. Of course, God didn't want Israel making a covenant tie with that culture through marriage. However, this then begs the question, was Isaac encouraging incest when he urged Jacob to marry one of his cousins? How do we make sense of this? With questions like this one, it's important that we don't neglect the literary context. Literary context asks, what do these people know about God at this point in time, and what does the Bible say about this topic later on? Incest is first prohibited in Leviticus 18, but at the current moment, here in Genesis 28, the Israelites don't even have the Ten Commandments, so God has not yet declared incest to be wrong. Got Questions has a great article about this. They point out that until God commanded against it, it was not incest. It didn't have a name. It was just marrying a close relative. It is undeniable that God allowed quote-unquote incest in the early centuries of humanity. Since Adam and Eve were the only two human beings on earth, their sons and daughters had no choice but to marry and reproduce with their siblings and close relatives. The second generation had to marry their cousins, just as after the flood, the grandchildren of Noah had to intermarry amongst their cousins. One reason that incest is so strongly discouraged in the world today is the understanding that reproduction between closely related individuals has a much higher risk of causing genetic abnormalities. In the early days of humanity, though, this was not a risk due to the fact that the human genetic code was relatively free of defects, the article concludes. So the gist is this. It took some time for people to be able to perceive the effects of the curse, or said differently, sin, on genetic code. And in the early days of humanity, namely Adam and Eve's children, there were simply no other options. But as time progressed, the Israelites learned through probably personal experience and God's commands that incest was wrong. Think about the four-year-old backyard ice skater. He hasn't yet been taught how to ice skate. But as an adult who grew up going to the skating rink, I know the type of shoes I should be wearing. I know how to speed up or slow down. I can stop, go in a circle, etc. And I also know that ice can be dangerous. You can fall and get hurt. 
Why? Because I've been taught. I've learned about the ice. And in a similar way, the family of God is the four-year-old at this point in the story. They haven't yet been taught about the dangers of incest, and it's not as dangerous yet. Now, switching gears entirely, what are we to make of Jacob's dream? I love what one commentator says. This is a supreme display of divine grace, unsought and unstinted. Unsought, for Jacob was no pilgrim or returning prodigal, yet God came out to meet him, angelic entourage and all, taking him wholly by surprise. Unstinted, for there was no word of reproach or demand, only a stream of assurances flowing from the central, I am the Lord to spread from the past to the distant future, from the spot where Jacob lay to the four corners of the earth, and from his person to all mankind. It was also immediately relevant, meeting his solitary, homeless, and precarious condition by assuring him of the covenant with his forebears, allotting him a landed inheritance, and promising him safe conduct. The commentator concludes. I love that. It was a supreme display of divine grace, unsought, and unstinted, unsought, and that he was asleep, minding his own business, and unstinted, meaning that God met him with abundance, surplus, extra. How often do we forget this aspect of God's character when we read the Old Testament? He meets us when we least expect it. He surprises us. He cares for his children. He is love. That's all we've got time for today, so stay warm. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together, even in an ice storm. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.